JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Hey, welcome back in studio until I bail coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Touchdown Town is our location. It is the Colts pregame huddle. Me, Gorman, Joe Wrights, and Bill Brooks going to be coming at you from Touchdown Town. That is the Colts pregame huddle coming up at the bottom of the hour. Also, bullseyeofingrip.com. That's the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. I might see if I can wiggle out maybe one final pair of passes to that at bullseyeeventgroup.com here before the bottom of the hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, you're going to hear him later on tonight, Monday Night Football at Lucas Oil Stadium. I guess part two on the season. It is Matt Taylor who joins us. Any extra juice, even considering the situation this Colts team is in right now regarding get to doing what you're doing on the radio network on Monday Night Football, Matt? Oh yeah, I mean, listen. I know. I know the math says the Colts can't make the playoffs and all that, and and everybody's looking towards the draft right now. But I mean, prime time's prime time, and you're you're, you're the only game in town tonight. Uh, you know, the, the entire football world sort of has this you know football uh, hangover, if you will, from from the weekend, and so everybody's just going to be kind of nestled up by the fire tonight, watching football on ESPN between the Colts and Chargers, and. So you might as well just go out and play well and, and, and prove to everybody that, hey, this season to this point has been um, – it's obviously been disappointing, but we can play much better. And the Colts are trying to play much better with a third different quarterback tonight with Nick Foles. But, listen, anytime, no matter the circumstances, anytime you can play on primetime, any time you can play on Monday Night Football, um, it's a special treat. And I think the Colts, this Colts team, will, will try to take advantage of that tonight and, and uh, try to show out for themselves individually that uh, – you know they they can you know stake a claim at, at at coming back for this team in 2023. Is it obviously is going to have to rebuild and retool in the upcoming offseason? You know these players, Matt, too. They're playing for something. Uh, I mean, these guys have a competitive sense of pride far beyond I think our understanding as just normal light people out there. So these guys, these guys are going out there and they, they want to win. That's how they're programmed to do so. And I will also say this, there is nothing wrong considering that team on the other side has something legitimate. I mean, legitimate by the numbers to play for. There's nothing wrong this time of year to give another team a nice kick in the, uh, the jewels, if you know what I mean, <laughs> when they leave yeah, town on a Monday night. From that standpoint, you're exactly right. Think about it from the Chargers' standpoint. They're going to have to come in. They probably flew yesterday on Christmas Day, which has to be just incredibly depressing. I mean, I remember the one time the Colts had to travel 
I mean, they, they played on Christmas Day last year, but I wasn't a part of that. Um, you know, that was the COVID season still ongoing, so I wasn't part of the traveling party. But a couple of years ago, there was that, that Christmas Eve game, and it, it just it just didn't feel right. It, it just it felt kind of bad having to leave your family on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and having to fly across the country like the Chargers are going to have to do or like they did do yesterday ahead of this game. But you're right. They're eight and six, and if they make the if they win tonight, they make the playoffs for the first time since 2018. They can clinch a wild card spot tonight, and so the Colts have a chance to go out and, and play spoiler. But I, I fully anticipate this being a good game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I mean, the Colts have played a boatload of one score games. The Chargers are seven and three in one score games, so they're almost as good as as the Minnesota Vikings in that regard, who just continue to squeak out you know late late in-game, you know, victories. So, um, you know, Justin Herbert's an exciting player. Austin Eckler can do it all from his running back position. They've got two big-body receivers in Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams. So I fully anticipate this being a good game. And this Colts team knows that, like, if you give 85% of, of maximum effort in this game and, and your excuse is, well, you know, we're, we're done for the season, we can't make the playoffs, it doesn't matter, Guess what? I mean, there's 25 guys the Colts can bring in off the street tomorrow. They'll come in and bust their ass and give 110%. And that's, that is honestly like that is the prerequisite um, for NFL players. They know what they signed up for. They know what this league stands for with the NFL being not for long. And, you know, your career can basically be over at, at any point with the, you know, teams having the ability to terminate contracts and, and not bring you back and send you packing and all of those things or trade you. So, yeah, there's no question this Colts team is still going to continue to fight tonight, and they've got a big stage to do it. And they do, or they can, I should say, play spoiler to a degree and, and have some fun with uh, giving some other teams some heartache tonight with the Chargers having basically everything to play for. And we have certainly seen, Matt, too, what happens when you don't do exactly what you just described because we saw it you know, yesterday. And Nathaniel Hackett gets the gate after just what was a dismal performance in not only the entirety of the season, but especially in that standalone yesterday afternoon on Christmas Day uh, with the Broncos matchup. I mean, that, um, yeah, it just it doesn't get much worse than that. And you know, those are the outcomes of situations where right. you play at that particular level, as you described. Yeah, God, that was ugly. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't watching that game intently. I kind of had it on the background, and I was kind of in and out on it. And, and every time I, I came back in, the Broncos were down by at least seven more points. And, yeah, you got some finger pointing going on on the sideline. And, pushing and shoving with your offensive yeah. lineman and your backup quarterback. Good deal. No question. So I, I honestly think that is a worse look for a head coach than just the, the performance on the field. I mean, you know, to, to be 4-11 or whatever they are right now is one thing, but to not have control of the team and to have so much dissension in the locker room and on the sidelines, um, that's just what you can't have. And I think to the Colts' credit, they, they've kept most of that in check. I mean, there's a ton of frustration to go across the board with offense and defense this year, but you know, I, I think for the most part, the locker room has stayed strong and, and stayed intact. And no, obviously, we, we were not seeing everything. We're not privy to, to all of it. I'm sure there is some, you know, frustration that that boils up from time to time, and that's that's normal, right? When you're eliminated from the playoffs with three games to go. But I think Jeff Saturday's done a nice job of 
holding guys accountable and, and still preaching that message that we just just described that you know there's three games left and we all have a job to do and um, you know your your tape is your resume and um, there is no context you know like if you're a defensive lineman and you're not pursuing the football and you're not giving maximum effort you know there's going to be nobody in a another defensive meeting room with another defensive coordinator if you're on, on the street or as a free agent or whatever saying well this was week 16 or week 17 and we weren't you know alive for the playoffs so i didn't play hard i mean i think a lot of teams say well if you're going to quit on the colts then you know what's to say you're not going to quit on me so that's sort of i think what the colts are trying to battle through with three games to go and and like I said, have some fun tonight on primetime. It's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Again, countdown to kickoff follows the Colts pregame huddle, which follows me right here. We're going to push this up to the very end to see how long it takes me to get down to touchdown town. Maybe, what, if I give myself about five <laughs> minutes? Because I want to I want to make Gorman think that, hey, JMV's not here. I may have to go ahead and take this over and start this thing out. So what do you think? Give myself around five minutes? <laughs> like do a little walk-up as the intro's playing? What do you think? That's for, I tell you, Je- Jeffrey having to think about having to actually do work is, is scary. Uh, to shoulder responsibility is something that we definitely don't want to do. So give yourself plenty of time. If you think it's going to take 20, give yourself 30 minutes to get down there to, to give Jeffrey some peace of mind. But now, what's your, what's your, what's your route with the traffic? Do you um, I think I'm going to go on foot. I think I'm going on foot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to give myself five minutes to get down there, too. I'm very excited, by the way, because you know that the gore man got some brand new black denim skinny man jeans for Christmas. <laughs> I'm very excited for him to break those out here in touchdown town tonight. I must have I must I must have missed the uh, the tweet where he tweeted that out with the picture, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, if there's anybody that can pull it off, it is the gore man. He is. He is a very good-looking human being. He's got the hair. He's got the teeth. Uh, he's got the, the the dry wit, you know, where he can come back at you with anything. I do I do give him that. Um, but, yeah, you need to – are you just going to go south on Illinois and take a ride on uh, – uh, Hold on south a second. I'm doing this in my head right here. This is hard for me to do. Uh, yeah, Illinois, I'm going to go south, and I'll probably walk through – uh, the plaza, Pan Am Plaza down there, and then yep. cut underneath the railroad track, and then boom, I think I'll be right there. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to time this so I can walk up when the intro's playing, so I can have him looking do. at his watch and stuff when I'm walking <laughs> up. That always is a good feeling. What you should do is is see how many skywalks you can take. Remember that <laughs> yeah. time? I've done you, that. You and I yeah, did we that. did that. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we touched outside. We we walked outside Emmis and right out there of, of Panera. Yep. Uh, whatever, whatever building that is, uh, the old Colts Grill building, I call it. There's that skywalk that goes into Circle Center. Yep. And then from there, I don't think you have to go outside before you, you don't. Can move to the Soil Stadium. It took like an extra hour to get down there if we had just like walked on the sidewalk. But yeah, I mean you can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> that is one of the uh, awesome things about downtown India. It's Matt Taylor with us. We haven't talked about this yet. What do you think about Nick Foles getting his first start of the season tonight? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, I think, I think what the Colts are trying to do, they're just you know, using everything at their disposal with, you know, at this point in the season to, to try to find a spark on offense. And 
you know, I know a lot of people around town are rolling their eyes at this and they're saying, well, why now? You know, why not go back to Sam Ellinger? And then I, I, I get that from a, again, from a draft uh, perspective. But, you know, when, when you have an offense um, struggling the way that it is right now and you sort of read the book of, of Matt Ryan within this offense right now, I just think it boils down to the fact that the Colts still aren't scoring a lot of points. I mean, they scored 36 the other day against the Vikings, but only 22 of that was on offense, and they only scored one offensive touchdown. So last week, unfortunately, was the seventh time this season the Colts scored one offensive touchdown or less in a game. And it's crazy to say that, you know, you're up 33 points at halftime, but in a game like that, you, you, it's, it's, it's weird to say the coulda, woulda, shouldas, you know, when you're up 33 points at the break. But, you know, the Colts kicked three field goals when they were at or inside the Vikings' 10-yard line. So legitimately, the Colts had a chance to be up, you know, 50 to nothing um, in, that, in that first half against Minnesota. And then at that point, it's, it's, it really is over. But, no, I mean, when you're not pushing the ball down the field, when you're not scoring touchdowns, you know, you're 31st right now in, in red zone uh, efficiency on offense. You know, your yards per attempt for the season is well under seven with Matt Ryan. You only have three completions on the year over 40 yards. There's just, you know, teams are playing this team right, right now just so close to the line of scrimmage, making the running game, you know, really hard to, to eke out first downs. And it, it just boils down to the fact that the Colts are just trying anything right now to generate some momentum on offense. And we'll see, what, you know, how that, you know, unfolds tonight with Nick Foles. And, you know, he obviously knows this offense. He succeeded in it very well uh, in 2017 with Frank Reich, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, was the Super Bowl MVP in this offense. But certainly that, that dynamic is grossly different this time with Frank no longer here and Marcus Brady's gone. Um, and, and he's working with the Colts skill players for the first time all season with Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. and so on and so forth because in training camp he was the number two guy and once the regular season started he was the backup quarterback and not taking first team reps. I don't think that's a huge deal, but it is is part of the dynamic tonight for him as he gets his first start in the Colts uniform and his first start since week 16 last year with the Chicago Bears. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Bottom of the hour, it is not countdown to kickoff. That's two hours later, but Colts pregame huddle will be down in Touchdown Town, and we'll send it off to Matt and to Rick and to Lara coming up for countdown to kickoff after that. They'll get you set for that 8-15 in the neighborhood there time-wise for that Monday night kick with the Chargers and the Colts. Matt, when you look at the Chargers, there is an absolute ton of of talent on that team it just seems like more times than not some of that talent is injured thus that talent's not really that often playing together that's how you look at it. that's how you look back at the season with the chargers yeah to this point i mean i mentioned those two big-bodied receivers and williams and allen and i think it's i think prior to tonight those two guys have only been healthy at the same time in two games this season. Crazy. Williams missed yeah. four games with an ankle, and then Allen's been in that lineup with uh, with a back injury. Um, he's also dealt with some other stuff that you know a hamstring that's kind of popped up here and there. So um, you are going to get a fully healthy Charger offense going into this game, and with Herbert, he's going to sling it all over the yard. I mean, I was talking with the morning guys earlier today. I expect this to be a long game tonight because the Chargers are going to throw it at least 40 times. You know, Herbert's been over 300 yards passing three straight games. 
Um, he's averaging 40 attempts uh, for his career. So it is just a heavy volume offense in terms of passing. Eckler gets involved. But, yeah, those two guys on the outside, Williams and Allen, they're not speed merchants, but they are big body guys. And you have to win the line of scrimmage. you got to jam and you got to reroute. I mean, Williams is 6'4". Allen is you know, pushing pushing six three and they're veterans. I mean, you know, you're talking about a six year guy in Williams and a ten year guy in Allen. So they've seen everything. So they know how to get separation. They know how to get off the line of scrimmage. And one thing that the Chargers are really good at is yak, especially with their receivers. They're number two this year in yards after catch among their wide receiver group. So they can turn a, a ten yard third down into a 25-yard completion for a first down, and then get inside field goal range and get some easy points that way. So, yeah, this is a really, really good uh, offense. And then when you have Eckler healthy, Williams, Allen, and they're all going, I mean, I don't know how you defend them because Eckler can do everything and line up anywhere, and he's just like a slot receiver that also runs the football. So this is a really good challenge tonight. Yeah, you look at Eckler, too. He may be the most dangerous of dudes in the backfield that the Colts will face all season long. Because, as you mentioned, he is multidimensional, unlike a lot of guys of the NFL at that position are. Yeah, and they're very, very creative where they line him up. And they also have DeAndre Carter and Joshua Palmer. And those two guys have sort of stepped up, at least production-wise. They have decent numbers because Williams and Allen have been out um, a lot this season. But Eckler is just so dangerous with the football in his hands. He's got a lot of yak as well. He's a huge third-down receiver, uh, both out of the backfield and when they line him up in the slot. He's just a good scrimmage football player. I mean, who would have thought this guy coming out of a, you know, I don't even know, Western State, Colorado. I mean, that's got to be an FCS school or a Division II school. I should probably look that up before the game. But, I mean, he's maybe one of the best undrafted free agents in NFL history. Um, so he really, really is just a really solid, good football player. Leads the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns since the start of last year. So, again, when this gang is healthy, man, they put a lot of stress on the defense. And it's also worth mentioning tonight, no Kenny Moore for the Colts. So you're going to see more of Julian Blackman play more in the nickel package as the nickel corner for the Colts. And that's NFL-wise not his natural position. He was a corner for three years at Utah before they moved him to safety uh, his last year there in college. But he's back playing there now, and so this is a really difficult challenge for him and the rest of this Colts secondary. What's up, Matt Taylor on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Defensively, it's kind of the same case. I mean, a, a, a lot of dudes out there that are dudes. I mean, really individual talents, but often injured. And these guys haven't played a great deal together. But talented on the defensive side, the Chargers are, Matt. Yeah, they've got Khalil Mack now, and they've really moved Kyle Van Noy into that outside linebacker position. Um, you know, they had the, the big injury uh, to Joey Bosa earlier in the season. He's got a chance to come back towards the end of the year in playoffs, but he's not going to play tonight. But that pass rush is coming on. And, again, as I said all week, the Chargers defensively, numbers-wise, they're not going to blow you away. But it's all about when you play teams. And I think the Colts might be getting this Chargers team at the wrong time because their last two wins, they beat Miami and Tennessee – and say what you want about Tennessee, but right now they're a playoff team, or at least in the hunt. And um, those are two pretty good wins for the Chargers. They've allowed 17 or fewer points and fewer than 300 total yards in the last two games against the Dolphins and Titans. And they're getting off to fast starts. They're hanging on. They're really good in one-score games. 
But, yeah, they do have some name recognition on that side of the football. I mentioned Mac, Van Noy. They got Tranquil out of uh, Notre Dame, who's a really good tackling middle linebacker. And then Derwin James, I think, should be back tonight. He's missed the last couple of games with a quad injury, but he didn't show up on the injury report um, yesterday going into this game. No designation on him. So I fully expect him to play tonight. That's big because he's a tackling machine tied for number three among all NFL defensive backs and tackles um, this season and really since last year. So they, they line him up in a variety of different ways as well. And he's obviously really adept at playing in the box. He's a physical, strong safety. Um, they've got Asante Samuels Jr. on the outside. is a really good shutdown corner. He's only in his second year, but he's really ascending late in the season here too. So, yeah, I think right now the the sum of the parts is playing better than the individual pieces, but they still got some ball players in that side of the football. I will say this, if you're going to look at a season that has not gone the way positively that Colts fans thought, uh, we all thought that they would struggle against the AFC West, and that has not been the case. No. <laughs> Were they 3-0? Yeah. 3-0 yeah. against the AFC West. That's they can sweep it tonight. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, this is – this is what I said a couple weeks ago. You look at the parity in the AFC going into the season, and you said, all right, there's 16 teams, seven make the playoffs. Who are you realistically going to count out right now? I mean, back in August when training camp was going on, we are like, well, you'll probably you'll scribble out the Jaguars. You'll probably scribble out the Texans and, and maybe the Jets. And the Jets have hung around, but I think you know we're, we're starting to get out the pencil with the scribble line on them as they continue to – you know, go back and forth between quarterbacks. And who would have, who would have thought this team here would go 4-9-1 and one, um, and, and be eliminated from playoff contention uh, with three games to go and be basically woeful against the AFC South but have a chance to sweep one of the best divisions in football in a long time. This is why the NFL is like the best reality series going, man. It's, it's drama. You can't predict it. I don't know why people bet on this. Because there's so much parity, everybody's good. Everybody can be anybody any given day. Um, but that's why we watch, and that's why they play the games, man. It's uh, it, it truly is just a wild, wild season. And I don't think we're done yet. I think we're headed for more chaos and drama with these last three games, and uh, certainly the playoffs are shaping up to be pretty exciting as well. You guys have a solid Christmas. We did, man. We did. We. Uh, we opened up a lot of gifts with the kiddos, so we're, we, we were blessed to uh, give them a, a good Christmas and see their li- eyes light up with, with all their new stuff. And we had just, you know, boxes and wrapping paper everywhere all over the house. So it was a really, really good, enjoyable, uh, you know, morning and afternoon with the kids. How about yourself? One of these days you'll be like me and you'll make it rain with gift cards. <laughs> man that, that, that certainly would make it a lot easier i'll tell you that <laughs> you made it I rain with gift cards hey there you go you're underneath that grab yourself a, yeah. a gift card nah. with, a gift card, yeah. with a gift card you've just given me an errand you know that's how i look at it you just you, nah, you, you well it. i appreciate it yeah. but now you've you put the onus on me I don't know, I, though, because I, I, then I, they I, can do it on their phones with a gift card. That's true. That's yeah, true. so yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of, like, like I'm, I'm a mall guy. I want to go to the mall. The, the social aspect of the mall is now missing in our society with our youth, yeah. and that's sad. But at the same time, it does make it a, easy, a little easier on you. If you make it rain with gift cards, they can just do that stuff at home and uh, get it yeah. sent to – and uh, you'll, you'll play 50-50 whether or not it gets delivered to the right house. So, good. 
<laughs> hey, by the way, did you laugh at Bowen because Bowen goes to Naples with his family? It's thirty degrees down there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's some poetic justice right there. Unfortunately, yeah. Take that, I Bowen. Have, I did have I had three boxes delivered to my house that were intended for my neighbor. Nice. You have to watch that, you know. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, I better get rolling here because. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm going to stretch, stretch this thing out as long as I could. Got about five or six minutes here quickly. I'm going to try to give myself five or six minutes to get down there. So act like you haven't talked to me, okay? I have no idea where he is. I don't know where he is. We'll freak everybody out. Yeah, uh, Gorman, Gorman will be – he'll be watching the clock. He'll be waiting for you. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Enjoy the call. We'll uh, hand it off to you, countdown to kickoff. Have a great Monday night. All right, man. I appreciate you. Be good. You too. It's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'm trying to stretch this out a little bit. See what – I want to walk up with the intro playing here, everybody. We'll see if we can do that. Uh, and by the way, happy holidays to everybody. Remember the JMV Takeover, New Year's Eve, all requests, 6 until well after midnight edition. We are back coming up on Saturday night for you as well. Also, the Bullseye Event Center, bullseyeeventgroup.com, the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. Fired up and ready to go. It's all you can eat, all you can drink, and DJ Skids. His many mixes you will hear exclusively on the JMV Takeover New Year's Eve edition. Skids will be rolling out the great entertainment for you coming up at the Bullseye Events Center in just a little bit. So go enjoy. Get your passes right now. Bullseyeeventgroup.com. All right. Here we go. Coming up now. By the way, too, I did want to remind you of this. Buffalo Wild Wings in Shelbyville tomorrow. Buffalo Wild Wings for what is a Blue Monday, now a Blue Tuesday. I've got Texans Colts tickets for you. Buffalo Wild Wings in Shelbyville coming up tomorrow. But up next, it is the Colts pregame huddle. Me, the Goreman, Joe Wrights, Bill Brooks going to have everything you need coming straight at you. The Colts pregame huddle, that is next. James, great job out of you, too. I'll see you in touchdown town getting ready for Monday Night Football. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Remember, turn it over to 97.1 Hank FM now. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We have Monday Night Football tonight. 97.1 Hank FM. A touchdown town for me coming up at 5.30 today. That's the Colts pregame huddle. Me, Gorman, Bill Brooks, Joe Wrights from touchdown town where it should be a tropically warm and nice breeze blowing through there. Cannot wait. Hopefully I see you down there. So Matt Taylor's going to join us at the 5 o'clock hour. And then I'll be down in touchdown town. 
and we're going to have a blast. Tomorrow's show, normally we do a Buffalo Wild Wings Blue Monday, but because of the Monday night game, uh, no Blue Monday, that's Blue Tuesday, tomorrow in Shelbyville. Buffalo Wild Wings in Shelbyville beginning at 3 tomorrow. Now, I mentioned 97.1 Hank FM for us and the Colts and the Colts and the Chargers tonight. 93.5 and 107.5 the fan have the Pacers. Pacers on the road in New Orleans. And that game tonight tips, I believe, at 8 o'clock, 7.30 your pregame coverage right here. Is that accurate? I'm looking up there right there. I believe that it is accurate. And uh, you can hear the Pacers here, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Steven San Antonio writes this. I'm just curious. What do you think Jim Ursay says if Jim Harbaugh were to take the Colts gig on one condition? He gets to bring in his own general manager or wants final say on personnel decisions. Does Ursay pass on Harbaugh in that scenario? Um, hypothetically speaking, I do not. This is just me, and I could be incredibly wrong. And this is in terms of me thinking this would be the Grand Slam home run higher. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be interest there from the Harbaugh side. But a home run higher, to me, it would be. I, I think it's all hands on deck at that point, Steve. I think you have to rethink. You are looking over your philosophies, I think, one more time if you could reel that in Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline he's from the morning show Kevin and Query weekday morning 7 until 10 a.m. Jake Query joins us you probably heard that tweet that I read in that scenario Stephen San Antonio gave what would be your answer I think it's a fabulous question um, because I saw the tweet as well when he sent it I believe that First off, I believe that Chris Ballard will be here next year. So I, I don't. I think that Jim Irsay has it in his mind that he is the owner. Chris Ballard is the general manager, and that whoever coaches the team next year will understand that line of power. And am I a fan of Chris Ballard? I, I mean, that's. I guess that's the wrong way of presenting the the point because I don't know that it's our job to be a fan of anyone. I don't. Uh, you know, I certainly respect Chris Ballard and I think there are areas that he has a lot of strength I think one of the areas that he offers something that other potential or suitable replacements for him would not is that he allows for Jim Ursay to have some say as he should as the owner but I think Ursay wants to make some personnel decisions and I think Ballard probably allows that and so that appeases Jim Ursay to the point where that's where things are going to stay for next year. So I believe that that would be the first priority for her side. See, I, I would be disappointed because again, this is not going to happen. Uh, but just hypothetically speaking, that to me is the home run or the home run hires as a coach that to me, maybe doesn't unify everybody, but to me gets pretty damn close to it. And if you know, you had made the decision based upon you know, the six-year general manager and these results, I would take, again, I've taken issue with a lot. I certainly would take issue with that. You know, the the thing to me, and I know that we've had this conversation before, but the thing to me that's really hard to overlook is that Chris Ballard has been 
the GM of the Colts for six years. They have, what, one playoff win. I don't know that they have a divisional title in that time frame. I could be wrong in that. No. I'm not looking at it in front of me. Um, and I truly do believe, and maybe I'm a little too bullish, and maybe I'm jumping too early here on what's a trend, but I do think that it's highly possible that we, you know, Jacksonville's had their left turn signal on for a couple of exits here with Tennessee sputtering in the middle lane. And I believe Jacksonville in the AFC South is about to get into the left lane. And because I think the world of their quarterback, I think they have a good young running back. They've got some nasty players on their defensive front four, and they've drafted pretty well. I think that Jacksonville quite possibly is about to seize a half-decade control of the division. And Houston is on total rebuild mode. Tennessee is going to be relying upon whether or not the quarterback they drafted last year, you know, Malik Willis is, can be the guy. And, and the Colts are three years away, John. I mean, because of the quarter, it all comes down to one position in the national football league and it's quarterback. And the Colts are one of a handful of franchises that have no idea who's going to quarterback them next year. If they draft a guy in the first round that is indeed the guy, then that still puts them at a year or two. And that's, assuming that they hit on what is by all intent and purposes in the NFL, a non-guaranteed in the first round, the NFL is littered with quarterbacks who were first round can't miss franchise picks. Some of which worked out and then other guys that didn't work out and you don't even know which way that's going to go. So I just can't see how there is measured contending level success within the first, by the end of it, eight to nine years under Chris Ballard. And that's a long time for an NFL GM. Uh, It is. And normally when you have that type of tenure, and I mentioned this earlier, then you look back on just a laundry list of fantastic results is the reason why you have that. You know, like a guy like John Snyder has that type of tenure because he has, and, you know, they, they, they've gone through a, a bit of a dark period and, you know, have started to to reemerge with something that everybody talks around here about all the time, assets, in uh, moving forward without Russell Wilson had to make that, that particular decision. But, I mean, you're right. There's like one team, I think, in the NFL – with success, where everything does not hinge on the quarterback, and that's San Francisco. I, maybe some would argue Dallas, but I still think you know Dak Prescott, even with the success they had with the backup, is still somebody they lean on. But really, it's San Francisco is the only team out there right now that is not built in the capacity of, you know what, it comes down to the quarterback play, and if that quarterback play is not up to, you know, winning time, winning ability, then you're more than likely not going to win that game. San Francisco may be the exception to that rule. You the know, only one. I look at. Cincinnati in this capacity for years Marvin Lewis was the head coach at Cincinnati and he was fine he was sufficient they were eight and eight nine and seven just about every year they were they were they were not an embarrassment they weren't a contender but they were fine and every year Bengals fans were left thinking you know next year with moves a or b if they pan out they could really make a move and then it was the same thing every year and then eventually Cincinnati just said, you know what, we, we got to go ahead. We've, we've been just sitting there staring at this cold water forever. Let's just jump in and see what happens. And guess what? The water temperature balanced out for them real quickly, and the pool is really comfortable. Look at Cincinnati now, right, because they were able to make that 
that move. So, you know, is Chris Ballard the, the, the Marvin Lewis of general managers? Is this what's going to happen every year where it's like, they're fine. They're, they, you know, there's a couple of moves here and there they can contend. I don't know. I'm not saying that he's a guy that, that with a replacement all of a sudden you find yourself, but it's a matter sometimes of just simply having the courage to do it. And I don't know that they're, you know, I don't know what the thinking is there. I, I'm not sitting here advocating for Chris Ballard to be removed, but I'm saying I think there are a lot of people that, that certainly wouldn't have a problem with him if it happened. But I, I think now we know that it's not that is not going to be the case. Jay Quarry joins us. What comes more into question right now is the owner's believability uh, and confidence he has in the interim head coach or the six-year general manager? Boy, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think that Jim Mercer has such a respect, belief, and love for Jeff Saturday that even if he doesn't fully believe in Jeff Saturday's coaching acumen, it doesn't cloud the fact that he believes in Jeff Saturday's football knowledge. And I think what Colts fans have to hope is that Jim Mercy is able to discern the difference between the two. Um, however, I, I do believe that Jim, I'll put it this way. I think Jim Mercy is more open to exploring possibilities beyond Jeff Saturday than he is open to exploring possibilities beyond Chris Ballard. So uh, I would say that he is at this point more married to standing by Chris Ballard than standing by Jeff Saturday. And all of this, of course, we can find out that we're completely wrong because, I mean, there have been times and there is precedent that shows that Ursa can change his mind very quickly. But as of right now, I think it's safe to say that Chris Ballard is safer in his current position than is Jeff Saturday. What do you think the odds are that Jeff Saturday is hired on and, and gets more time? It ends up being their head coach for 2023. I put it at like 40%. I, I think it's higher than people realize, but I do think I, I, I'm going to maintain what I've said all along, John, and I want your opinion on whether, because, uh, listen, uh, I hope people listening understand, uh, you know, you, I appreciate that you're asking me these things. I mean, you're as plugged in as any, as any of us, for sure. Um, my gut tells me that Jeff Saturday is the Colts' safety school. If If they don't get accepted into – you know, the three top-line institutions, then there's always that state university safety school that you go to and you're still going to college. I, I think that Saturday is a guy that they would turn to if others decline the position. And I think they have their wish list. I think Jim Harbaugh's on it. I think Leslie Frazier's on it. I think there are others. But if that doesn't work out, then I think Saturday is always a possibility to be in play. But I, th- I don't think that he is who they will actively, you know, talk to from the outset Your I, yeah i would i would say that i mean he wants to swing big he being jim mercy he would like to swing big but i also believe at the same time that he would absolutely love to have any reason to justify jeff saturday as the coach moving forward because that will end up being his brainchild his creation his alone you know, beyond anybody else, and I mean anybody else's belief, including his own going to be here next year, evidently general manager. 
that this is my decision, this was my thought, and the fact that he has gone out there and proven to everybody that he's off the set of ESPN and proven me accurate, I, I, I think I would weigh that opinion more than I would that even being a, a safety school and swinging at guys like Harbaugh. Because I, I don't think there's much of a chance that Harbaugh is going to have that interest. Not much. He, he's what I believe, Jake. He's what I think is going to be the great unifier if he were to be the head coach. I think everybody then automatically, even with going out and getting a quarterback, even with having a general manager that's going into year number seven that hasn't really proven anything whatsoever, has had not the results, certainly, to be around that long tenure-wise, bringing him back. I think that if a guy like Jim Harbaugh comes in there, that's a great unifier in believability for the fan base with this team right here. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think ultimately Jim Irsay would just love to be able to see proof and to show proof that Jeff Saturday is indeed the right call that he made midseason. I think it's very fair to say and assume that the criticism, the disbelief, the skepticism, and at times the mockery that the Colts endured from a national standpoint when Jeff Saturday was announced as the interim head coach only amplified the desire for Jim Irsay for it to work. And Jim Irsay has the ability to extend that time frame of how long it takes for it to work more than anybody else. So, so I could see where you're coming from there. Yeah. And listen, I understand to a degree, and you probably would too, where he's coming from. Because the last thing you and I want, I, I, I've been around doing this for what, 18, 19, almost 20 years now. I, I don't want to hear somebody that doesn't do it or hasn't done it give me advice. So I see where he's coming from. I hear where he's coming from. I just think that, it, to me, you, you throw the, the kitchen sink at one guy and then hope that maybe it works out to a degree of him winning a national title and maybe being a little bit more open to it. But then I always think he was open to that Minnesota job a year ago. What the hell was so great about that? He was open to that at least on the surface a little bit. So I don't know what that would tell you. If he's not open whatsoever to this gig, maybe it's more about this gig than it is about him wanting to return to Ann Arbor or not wanting to go to the NFL, right? I thought, John, here's the thing. Let's, let's remove ourselves, and by that I mean me, you, and everyone listening. Let's remove ourselves from being tied to Indianapolis or having knowledge on a week-to-week basis of the Colts. So if you were Don Payton, or if you were Jim Harbaugh, or if you were Leslie Frazier, what is most appealing to you about this job? The, the franchise quarterback that you have, well, you don't know who that's going to be. The playmaking Dustin Jefferson-level receiver that that quarterback would be throwing to, eh, you've got a couple of nice pieces, but nothing that jumps out at you and shocks you to the world. The An owner that allows you complete autonomy to do what you need to do, probably have a couple of guys that you could call up that would tell you that that isn't necessarily the case. The ability to dominate and own the division in which you're going into. Got a good young quarterback in Jacksonville and Houston who's going to have the number one overall pick and the ability to take a quarterback before the one you're going to select and build around. 
you, you know, th- that's another challenge is who all is going to be looking for coaches and where do the Colts rank? And is this a desirable location? I think Jim Mercer is a wonderful human being. I think he's an owner that absolutely wants to win as much as any in the National Football League. And I think Jim Mercer probably has been around football longer than any owner or most, I shouldn't say any, most owners in the National Football League. But that last part, I think, also to a lot of people from the outside gives pause. And that is, do I want to work for an owner who's been around football his whole life and as a result of that thinks he probably and maybe knows it as well as I do, as opposed to one that's going to give me autonomy? I just think that those things come into play and create for a unique situation to navigate. Well, it, listen, it also depends on the availability. Like what, um, you know, the return to New Orleans, a possibility for Sean Payton. I mean, what what would be what would be the gig, the plum gig for Sean Payton? You think? I mean, what, what what's going what's going to be open here? Besides, you know, obviously the Colts is going to be open. Here's what. So, do you think at all? Is there the possibility that the Titans play their way as they are right now, right out of this, and that they give the gate to Mike Vrabel? Any way, shape, or form that happens? Boy, I, I and you know, I just threw Chicago out, but I mean, Matt Eberflus is obviously. I don't think he's done a terrible job. By yeah, I mean, threat. you may have, you may have, depending upon what happens tonight, the Chargers, maybe. Right, if they fail to make it into the postseason, you may be looking at that. You may be looking at, yeah, not the Steelers, not the Ravens, um, probably not the Titans. I just bring that up for the heck of it. And maybe the Commanders. I, I the Titans. So I the Titans maybe Mike the Falcons. Brable. So I think Mike Vrabel. The Cardinals. Yeah, well, the Cardinals for sure. I, I, the Cardinals for sure, but then, you know, same thing, right? Like, who's your quarterback? Is it going to be Kyler Murray? I mean, you know, there are a lot, of, a lot of questions there. I think if you take that job, you have to – your intention is that you have a belief in Kyler Murray moving forward, that he just needs a separation yeah, from his head coach. But I Look, to go back to, you know, okay, the Chargers, for example. You know, they got Justin Herbert. Guys are going to want to coach him. You know, he's got a bright future and a big arm, and they've got playmate. You know, I that. Andy but that job, may, that job probably won't be open if they make the postseason, though. I, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, Denver's kind of a mess. I mean, Denver now's got an opening, but I mean, do you really want to go somewhere? They're in the same position as the Colts. Well, and they can pay a lot of money. They they can try to wiggle free of the Russell Wilson thing, but yes, that looks like an absolute albatross around the neck there. For anybody yeah. that would like to take on that gig, yes. You know, but to answer your your question on Brable, I think it's a good question, and I think that Jim Mersey loves, 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 loves Mike Brable, and I think that Chris Ballard does as well. well no doubt. Let me rephrase, I think Jim Jim Mersey respects the heck out of Mike Brable. I think Ballard likes him, but the 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 challenge there is, I think Tennessee sees Brable in the or I would hope they do certainly. That's a franchise that was loyal to Jeff Fisher for a long time, probably more so than they needed to be. I think they see Vrabel as kind of a, like a Mike Tomlin situation of, look, that's part of our brand. That's part of our franchise, and he is the program, and you're going to come and play for the program. And I think he's – I would hope for Tennessee's sake that, that they understand what they have there and that he's a long-term guy because I think he's a fine coach. Yeah, I couldn't imagine it. 
I, I could not imagine, even with a disappointment, but... I mean, you got an OC that got pinched with, um, you know, a Dewey. You fired your general manager. Who knows yeah, what's going to happen at that quarterback? Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you got, you know, all these injuries, and now all of a sudden that roster doesn't look as good as it once did. And you mentioned, you know, is Jacksonville ready to, to take that next step? They finally got, you know, one year was enough for that clown. They got rid of the clown show and the clown and brought in somebody that was actually a good high-level NFL coach that won a Super Bowl. So that's probably going to get better and better. And then Houston's going to be still – a lot of years behind it right here. I, I can't imagine it, but you know, it's. I guess it's worthy of a topic to discuss because things have way, gone haywire. When things go haywire, Jake, you know, sometimes the unforeseeable right now turns out to uh, to be the truth when, when you go through it. So uh, that thing could get a lot worse for Tennessee down the stretch here. By the here. way, how about the fact you mentioned Urban Meyer, the clown show, which I, any, any chance to mention that I'm all for how about the fact that two of the promising quarterbacks in the AFC, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, one of them, Urban Meyer, and I get it, he got hurt at Ohio State, but still I maintain he didn't get a chance once he became healthy again to get his job back. But And they had good quarterbacks. I mean, don't get me wrong. But you had one quarterback in, in, in Joe Burrow that couldn't get off the bench for Urban Meyer in college and another quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that, Urban Meyer had no idea what to do with in the NFL that's now balling out. I mean, Urban Meyer, that's a, a whole different talk show, I realize, but what is one of the fascinating 30 for 30s for me someday is going to be how the last 20% of Urban Meyer's coaching career were the total antithesis of the previous 80%, because I thought he was one of the most brilliant tactic, like tactician coaches in football. And then once it went south, man, like people figured him out. I don't know what it was. It was unbelievable how he became a total clown, total clown show. Yeah, this is exactly what it was. Jake Quarry is with us. Before I let you go, uh, Tyrese Halliburton in the, the past two has been spectacular. Did you take anything away from the Shams tweet? of Miles and the Pacers now talking. And it would stand to reason because you're going to have to have some dialogue, but this has to be figured out here relatively soon, what you're going to do, if not long-terming trading away. And I would suggest to everybody that you trade him away. You're probably going to be looking for something to fill that gap. And clearly, there is nothing even close on that team to fill in that gap right now. Or, you know, maybe you're dead set on finding something else that is somewhat similar on the open market. You do create, you know, certainly a, a space that needs to be filled there. So what would you make of that? Just this time of year, getting the conversation going a little bit from a, a mile standpoint, I guess? Uh, we talked about it this morning, Kevin and I did. And what I said then was I really felt like you know, the Pacers have been pretty transparent. And one of the things that they said at the beginning of the year was, and I think, John, you and I, are we've kind of been like Gilligan and the Skipper here alone on our own island and talking about the value of Miles Turner. But the Pacers, for anybody that would listen, clearly you and I both did, but said, listen, we want to see how he plays with Tyrese Halliburton because we really believe that Miles Turner can flourish with Tyrese Halliburton in the way that they can play on the floor and what he can do for him. Miles Turner right now is is averaging a career high in points, a career high in field goal percentage, a career high in three point percentage, and I think that a lot of that is they like the way he meshes with the players around him, which is exactly what they wanted to see 
And I think what Miles Turner wanted to see. And I think that Turner knows that what he brings to the table is probably more in the offering from Indiana in the way that they play. And I think both parties know that it actually is a better fit than people have given it credit. And he's, what, 26 years old? Uh, I anticipate that the Pacers will actively, in fact, try to lock him down. And I think he will have more, his ears will be more open to that once he looks around than people probably originally would have guessed. We'll see, but he's got to he got to ink something. They got to want him longer term, and uh, he got to get something done longer term because you can't have the uh, the what if game, especially for a dude that would like to see some free agency right there. I don't think you you want that whatsoever. Hey, the the Buddy Heald thing, by the way, makes zero sense. Why in the world? And I know everybody around here wants to talk about assets. If I have to hear about the indie assets any longer, I'm going to puke. I'm so sick of hearing about that. Buddy Heald is a knockdown shooter. And in case nobody's noticed, that's what basketball is, especially now at the NBA level. Why would you even suggest trading him for assets? Agreed. And I also think that Buddy Heald um, – I, I do think this. I think that Buddy Heald has been – a really good, and I know this term is so overused and so I'm almost hesitant to say it, but he's been a great locker room guy. I mean, he is a guy that I think, he and T.J. McConnell are two guys on that roster that I think the players all gravitate towards, and I think they enjoy playing with him. I think he keeps guys loose. I think he keeps guys, I I think he's a good leader, Um, and I think he's well-liked within the franchise itself. I think he's been a good citizen, you know, from a basketball standpoint. And I think that, that Buddy Heald has been a really nice, really nice acquisition for them and has probably given them beyond what they anticipated when they got him. And I think they're happy with him. I just, um, in a world, especially the NBA, where shooting prowess is what you're looking for right here, I don't know why in the world you would even consider. Everybody's so wrapped up in assets. I have to hear about assets one more time. I'm just, I'm tired of it. And with him, you want to keep him because again, he's a great knockdown shooter. And it, you know, people normally, it's it's great if you're a defensive player. Great, that means you can't shoot most of the time. So yeah, you want to keep the shooter. And I don't know why anybody would even consider trading him right now. But anyway, just a thought. What do you got coming at us tomorrow morning? Uh, we're gonna break down obviously what happens tonight at the um, at the. The stadium, you know, Lucas Oil between the Colts and Chargers will break that down. And then, like you'd mentioned with the Pacers, I mean, big one against New Orleans. Looks like Zion might play. And then the Pacers come back for four straight. So we'll talk Pacers as well tomorrow. Hey, the kid uh, from Purdue, uh, Brady Allen, right, from Gibson Southern. He's in the transfer portal. Is he bailing? Because I saw where Purdue actually, they're bringing in the Texas transfer, Hudson Card, which is an awesome name. So interesting what i had heard about brady allen was twofold number one that this past year that jeff brahm's offensive schemes were pretty elaborate this is no knock on him at all i'm brady allen who i had a wonderful high school career mr football i i think that it took him a little bit longer to to get grasp of that offense of course aiden o'connell was already there so you know he had time to learn that so i don't know that going to louisville is a lot of people thought that was the immediate thing i don't know it's that as much as um, I think there's a lot of thought from Purdue that Brady Allen perhaps perhaps felt like the transfer coming in would have kept him second on the depth chart and he wanted an opportunity where he could go and play right away. And that may be, I have no idea, he's from southern Indiana. Is that Indiana? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a good question. I, yeah. What's up, Joe? I I don't know. That's a that's a good question right there. Oh, Joe, I said, what's up? Oh, Foxworthy. Jake said, what's up? <laughs> I like Fox He's Worthy. waving. He's waving at you. <laughs> one, of, one of our coworkers, yeah. All right, man. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. All right, you guys. Hey, by the way, make fun of Kevin a ton because he goes to Naples for Christmas break and it's 30 degrees. Well done. <laughs> hey, he, he said it was 51 this morning in Florida, and I'm like, brother, it's going to be that here on Thursday. You could have just stayed um, here. Stayed I'm sorry. Here. If you go all the way to Naples and it's 51 degrees, then your time sucks in Naples. I'm, <laughs> it, it just does. You ain't lying. It You're just not going does. down there just for the public. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll talk at you. All right, John. Pleasure as always. We'll yeah, it's uh, Jake Quarry, The Morning Show. Kevin and Quarry, weekday mornings right here, 7 until 10 a.m. on The Fan. Quick break, and we're going to come back. Matt Taylor, top of the hour. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.